Is that true, Blake? You have 30 of them? We got a lot. Wow. Okay. I got to do a weather first, but that's a lot more than... Neil, 30? You have 30 Silver Dome Awards? He's not listening. He doesn't care. Uh, right now, increased clouds tonight. Mostly cloudy. Rain showers likely. Low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning. High 57. Low 31. Friday, partly sunny. A high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy. A high of 39. Sunday, partly sunny. And a high of 43. Right now at Radio Bloomington, it is 48 degrees. Now, back to the Craig Common Show on WJBC. This is the Greg Collins Show. I have Blake Haas sitting in studio with me for a quick second because for, I, I think it's two of the last three days now, so yesterday and the day before, yeah, uh, you and Scott Miller have been uh, very, very openly discussing bath bombs, and I just wanted to know why. Yeah, Scott Miller and I like to start a conversation and then leave the room so everyone else gets <laughs> frustrated with what we say. We well, love to do that. No, you you guys mostly enjoy to bring up a topic that you think maybe other people will argue about. Exactly. And then watch them argue about it while taking yourself out of the conversation. Yeah, but like the flu shots. Right. Yeah. But the bath bomb thing seems to uniquely be a conversation actually between the two of you. Yeah. So I think we're on the same page in some sense, but in other sense, we're not. All right. So we both use... Do you know what a bath bomb is? I certainly do. I've actually, so before we get too far into this, uh, I think my second week on the air, and I've only been here about a month, I talked about the male bath because I like to take one as an adult man. Now, do you shower first or no? You shower after. Wait a minute. Okay. You shower first? (laughs) Yes. But then you're not clean. Because I don't like to lay in dirty water. But you're... Okay, I don't want to explain the anatomy of everything to you, but I, I don't think the, the water can be clean with how things are situated in the bath. All right. Okay. I don't think it can be clean, man. I'm right. just being honest with you. Yeah, I got you. I get your idea, yeah. but then you should be a shower before and after. You should not be a shower that's a before. That's a waste of water. You can't, you can't not shower after. That's, that's, that's a waste. Again, I don't want to explain it. Indeed, can everyone earmuffs? If everyone in their car earmuffs, because even adults shouldn't hear this, but I don't think it's clean. Anyway, go ahead. So you guys are debating bath bombs. Right. We're debating on <laughs> the type of bath bombs that men should use. Shower before. I think that people should use, no matter who they are, should use whatever they want. Yeah. That's my thought. That's true. But I like to do a little bath bomb uh, that has a little glitter in it. You like the extra sparkly. Yeah. Okay, I so got there's you. a store in Chicago called Lush. I don't know, have you ever heard of them? <laughs> yes, I have. So Lush is <laughs> a bath bomb that's all handmade products. It's true. So inside a bath bomb, which is something that dissolves in the water. Yeah, okay, fine. If you yeah. want to explain it to people, a bath bomb usually is scented, mm-hmm. and it dissolves in a in a full bathtub in order to give you an extra, I guess, calming sense or Yeah, scent. it's a relaxation tool. And yeah, also exactly. And also is good on your skin as well. It can be. <laughs> it, it most definitely is. What do you mean? Do you moisturize? I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... I did a story yesterday. Yeah. I have to ask you this. I can't okay. even. I can't handle the amount of things popping up in my brain that I want to ask now. Um, <laughs> men are starting to use makeup, and some makeup products are actually geared 100% toward men, including really? one called War Paint. There is a product out in the world called War Paint. Interesting. That ma- are you? Con- are would you consider that world? I would, would you go that far? Myself, I wouldn't, but okay. I I don't judge people who. Oh do. no, no, no! That yeah. the question is not to to judge and tell other people how to live their lives. Right. It's just to find your metro line. No, yeah, I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah. Because you are. Would you consider yourself then a metrosexual? Is that something you say? I, that's a big word. I don't know what it means. Okay. 
All right. Explain. Are you asking me to define the word (laughs) to you? Yeah. I think uh, to do it as as easily as possible, it's a guy who's so, so, you know, cognizant of his appearance that he does a lot of things that might have been traditionally things that that women would do and men wouldn't do. Like a a Manny Petty. Are you are you good in that world? Yeah. Okay. Do you do them regularly? Well, my mom has a salon. That's why. I got you. So you grew up with. I grew up around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why. Do you do a facial? Yeah, I actually do. You, <laughs> how often do you get facial it's, Well, I don't get official. I just wear like what's called a mud mask because I have. Uh-huh. Why do you no, say that? No, uh-huh, no, weird. I, I didn't, I just, okay, look, I came in here to be a friend and now you're judging me. I'm not judging you. you how often? Judging. So you do it. You So just so I understand, I want to live a, light, a day in the life of Blake. Oh, you go home to Clinton right. where you live with your parents. Yes. You prepare and place a mud mask on your face. Yes. How long do you wear it for? Uh, usually 10 to 15 minutes. 10 to 15 minutes. You wash right. that off and then you go to bed. Yes. Is your bed a race car car? Okay, look. Now, I'm just curious if it is. It's actually a Starship. Okay, but okay. that's what I thought. There's, there's a lot more to it. I like to take a shower to it because there's something I need to do, and everybody does this. They uh-huh. have something that they escape the stress in their day. Do you Have you heard of a shower bomb? A shower bomb. They're, they're real things. No, it's a little uh, circular. Th- it's not this circ. It's not a full like you know right. um, ball. Yeah, yeah. It's a little circular kind of disc shaped thing. You drop it at the foot of the bath at the bath when you're taking a shower, and it's actually supposed to be a little bit outside of the drain, so it's not getting all the collected water, but just the right. you know kind of steam of the whole thing. And it gives you the same scented sort of experience. That a bath bomb gives you. But does it give you the, the, the silky skin? It does not. Well, that's why I won't that's use it. That's not enough for you? No. Okay. But anyways, I like to use these bath bombs because they have, A, it's a relaxation tool. Mm-hmm. So I'll light some candles. To, <laughs> hear me out. I, hear me out. I'm not actually judging you. I'm just laughing. When I go home, I have to have something to escape the day. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you yeah. work a busy day. Yeah, like today I'm working like 20 hours. Right, plus you're getting your master's, so exactly. you have a lot of school commitments. Right. You teach classes, you attend busy, classes. Busy guy. So right? I like to have a little wine, and last night I got judged by someone because I said I go home and drink a whole bottle of wine. That's another story, but <laughs> I like to just relax a little, light some candles. I got you. Listen to some John Mayer, maybe. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay, there's only one. Right. Good John Mayer CD, by the way. There's a lot of decent John Mayer, right. but there's only one truly good yes. John Mayer CD. Do you know which one that is? Gravity. Yeah, well, Gravity is a song. It's called Continuum. That's right. the name of the album. Yeah. But Gravity is one of the tracks on that album. I love yes. that song so much. Well, the but whole anyway, album. Yeah. All right, go ahead. But anyways, I like that's how I escape my day. All right. And I feel yesterday when I talked about this in the office, and I got judged by the Scott Miller, and he said, well, what kind of bath bomb are you using, man? Mm-hmm. And I said, the one with glitter from Lush. Yeah. Then let he me, started judging me. Let me ask you something else, because okay. in the month that I've been here, um, I have been asked by Scott Miller about the length of my pants. Um, which I guess looking at the length of your pants? Well, I guess there was some debate in the office about pants and, and length, and they said that mine were clear, by the way. Oh. It was, they, they, I think it was him <laughs> and another coworker looked at the <laughs> pant length, and then they cleared me. Who does that? I don't, well, that's what I'm asking you. Yeah. So my question is, in the time I've been here, I've noticed quite a few different maybe appearance-esque or, right. or lifestyle-esque things that you yeah. guys debate. Is Scott our judge in office for if we're living our lives correctly or not? Is that... Is that the role he takes on? See, I, when it comes to mustaches, <laughs> yes, I think so. Uh, can you pronounce that again? Mustaches. All right, thank you. He wants me to curl mine. We'll, we're going to get there. We'll Maybe. you got to grow it out. But I don't think he's the guy to go to. Right. 
Yeah. Well, I was just. People I'm not. I'm not saying whether or not he is. I was just curious if that's the. Do I need to be more aware of my appearance around one Scott Miller to make sure Maybe. that I don't fall? Okay, good. Because he likes to make fun of me. Gotcha. But also a couple other people do too. So it's like, you know, I also don't care what people think. So I know though, but you invest your money very wisely. Right. You live at home partially because you mm-hmm. want to be, I think, very well off one yes. day. So I'm aware of that. I do not make fun of you. And yeah. actually, I respect you quite a bit. You are the CEO of my show. I am. So just in case you ever become our actual boss, remember these things, Blake. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, you'll be fired. By the way, the bad... <laughs> The we'll bath see. bomb is no big deal. I just remembered yeah. that, you know, you invest wisely. So the bath bomb, I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I like to go to Goodwill, get a good mm-hmm. deal, mm-hmm. do some shopping. Have you ever done the, have you ever bought one of those little um, kind of foot tub things that does the. See, no, because I have the actual real thing because my mom owns a salon. Oh. Yeah, so she's got the back massager. It goes up and down the back. So she owns her own salon? Yeah. So you can just go in there anytime you want? And it's get actually the... at my house. It's That's, a, I don't a, know what you said. It's a section of my house. I don't know what you're saying. Okay, hear me out. There's a part, a lot of these people in class, <laughs> this sounds weird. A lot. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I mean, as I talk to you, I, I booked you for this segment, and I'm like, all we're going to do is talk about bath bombs. I'm pretty sure I'm late for a commercial break. I can't believe I discovered that part of your house is a salon. Yes. Okay. How many seats? What do you mean by seats? You know how each individual like seat has its this own little... No, look, this ain't no salon you go into and there's a bunch of dirty goldfish. This I was just curious. <laughs> so what, is it just like your bathroom? Is it a bathtub <laughs> that your mom does manicure, pedicure no. out of? <laughs> no, this is like a section of my house. Okay, there's a salon attached to my house. But okay. That sounds very weird to say it on does. radio, but... It's really nice. You know what? I'm out. I can't anymore. These are great. I got to take a break. Blake, your life continues to amaze me. Quick break on the Craig Collins Show. I don't know what's going on now. Should we add a, you know, a little kind of maybe spa here at the station, do you think? BC.com. This is the Craig Collins Show. I'm learning more and more about Blake Haas, who is to me, am I saying your last name right, by the way, Blake? Okay, good. Uh, Who is to me a very interesting person. I actually wonder as I read this story how he feels about Crocs. Um, but I have a story. A man in San Antonio had his car stolen, and obviously he was pretty upset about that. But a few days after it was stolen, he found the car. It was a Prius. He had full gas tank. He had the I, the tires had been filled with air. So everything seemed to have been serviced in the car, and it was purposefully kind of returned to the area in which it was taken from. But the only thing missing were a pair of Crocs. The guy is fairly upset about the Crocs, but obviously mostly happy to have the car he just said and his name name is glenn campbell he's 27 years old that he's disappointed because it was his favorite set of shoes a lot of people deride the the crocs so real quick blake do you have an opinion on the crocs do you think they're a valuable shoe in the world are they one that you would wear yes they're one that i do wear and they are very valuable i know because they're comfortable right yes well then you can wear them in any train (laughs) any train well yeah you so, can wear them in snow. They got good traction. Oh, any terrain. Yeah. Is what you, I thought you said train. No, terrain. Got it. I got yeah, you. see, I can't talk right. Any terrain. Yeah, yeah. That's true, although they do get a little cold in the winter because there's no... Do you do, you do a croc in a sock? No. Okay. That's a Mark Strauss move. No one does that. Mark Strauss does that? No, he just wears tall socks. But I got you. I don't... Would you do a croc in a sock? Yes, I've done a croc in a sock. No. I Well, in in, col- in high school and in college, oh, I actually boy. used to do a flip-flop in a sock. No. And you know how the... the 
toe would jet out because Why? I called it the Ninja Turtle, and I would just rock it because <laughs> honestly, because man, like it was you comfortable. Are disgusting. I'm not disgusting. What's <laughs> disgusting about it? Nobody. You don't wear socks and sandals. But I got a lot of it. It became a conversation piece. That's a dad move. I know it's a dad move, but in college, it a lot of people talk to me. A lot Come of cute on. girls. They asked me, "What are you doing?" Who, Betty? Well, not. I didn't know Betty till after college. <laughs> Are you saying that I couldn't attract a fine young lady no. in a Ninja Turtle? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. You're so wrong about that. I have to take another break on the Craig Collins Show. Uh, this guy, though, he's very happy, Glenn Campbell, 27, that he's got his car back. He's just missing his Crocs. And I bet this is the Craig Collins Show. We got just about a minute until we have to break for news. I have guests coming up. I kind of have like a stacked guest day today. I have a GQ writer. Her name is Sophia. She's going to talk about how you break up. In today's day and age, in 2019, according to her, it's a little harder than it used to be to break up with someone because of all the different ways in which you can stay connected to them. You can stay informed on their life through social media. You can, you know, actually literally continue to communicate with them with your cell phone or however you need to do it. Uh, And she warns that those kind of things will prevent you from truly getting over a relationship. So she has essentially her tips on how to break up the breakup rules of 2019 there's a great article about how you have to do this at gq so you should check that out her name is sophia she'll be on in just a few seconds we got a lot more guests scheduled on the craig collins show i'm going to be talking about the john m scott Healthcare trust later on i'm going to be talking to an atlantic uh, writer who has a really great piece about the different mentalities that exist the different kind of uh, psychologies that exist in the united states she argues there's truly only three unique different psychologies that create a lot of, you know, the disagreements we have, maybe some of our political separation. It comes from three unique mindsets that she can point to that exist throughout the United States. Uh, we also have a Sacramento business journalist who's going to talk about a crazy story about an L.A. Uh, a Sacramento Kings um, person, a Sacramento Kings employee, who wound up embezzling millions of dollars without getting caught. But it's news time with Neil Dunn. Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. The rest of the day today, increasing clouds. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Rain showers very likely a high of or a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning, high of 57, low of 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, it's partly cloudy, a high of 39. And on Sunday, it is partly sunny, a high of 43. Right now in Bloomington, in Radio Bloomington, the temperature is 48 degrees. I'm better than ever. You're listening to The Craig Collins Show on WJBC. This is The Craig Collins Show on WJBC. I'm excited to talk to my next guest, uh, Sophia Benoit. Am I saying your name right, by the way, Sophia? You are, yes. Okay, cool, because it's, it's always scary when you see letters and then you have to make sounds that are different than the letters, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, you are a great writer for GQ. I've stumbled upon quite a few of your articles recently, uh, and I really liked your your most recent article talking about how to get over a relationship in you know today's day and age, uh, or really just in general. So let's get into that article first, and then maybe I'll have some questions about some other stuff you wrote. Uh, but thank you for jumping onto the show. Uh, and first, tell me your golden rules, kind of, for getting over a relationship in today's day and age. I wrote this article... And the entire thesis of the article is that I think that once you break up with someone, you should stop talking talking to them for six months. And there's nothing that magical about six months other than it gives you a really good chunk of time to rebuild your life after somebody. 
And I wrote it because I have so many friends who are still talking to their exes and still communicating. And whether or not it's meant to be romantic, it keeps them locked into those same patterns that they had when they were dating and when they were romantic. And they don't get a break from it to retrain themselves. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's partly probably because you develop a, a close friendship, I'm sure, with anyone that you're dating. And when the dating relationship ends, it's almost in sometimes disappointing or as disappointing to lose this this great friend that you have. So I get the temptation of wanting to immediately try to be non-romantic friends, but it's and I have a lot of friends that do it too. And maybe it's social media and the fact that you're probably going to remain somehow tangentially connected, regardless of if you're in a relationship or not, that, that makes us try to do this, but it just seems like such a bad idea. It is. And I, I, I mean, the way that I've told said it to some of my other friends is imagine if you tried to see your sibling as a friend or see your mom as a friend only like that relationship is still there. That history is still there. You can't erase this level of closeness that you had. And yes, things can change. And obviously, you know, dating somebody isn't them being in your family. But you can't change the past that you guys shared. And what you're getting to decide on is the future. So first, you have to give yourself this at least some very meaningful chunk of time, which is why I said six months, to get a, a life that doesn't involve them and to create yourself without that intimacy and like you said you are going to probably see them you are going to have moments of i mean maybe they work with you maybe they have friends that you guys share maybe they're on your social media so i'm not saying you know be rude to them or don't speak when they're around i'm just saying you have to cut off this line of communication of sharing the small day in day out stuff with them yeah, I, I really liked in your article that you mentioned that you have to not be rude to them. You shouldn't destroy their property. You should be very nice to their friends and family. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that you might have friends that are connected too, because I remember a couple of my really good friends that, that they started dating in high school. They made it through almost all of college together in a relationship. So these are two people that I had known for years as a couple, and then they, they didn't make it beyond that. And I remember my one friend who I started to hang out with more often uh, she told me one time she felt like she won me in the divorce. So do you have to deal with that, too, where, like, the friends kind of have to pick a side? Or how would you navigate that in a relationship if you have a lot of shared uh, connections? I think one thing is that this, the idea of kind of giving yourself six months can include going to your friends and being really honest with them and saying, I'm not upset at this person. I'm not mad. I'm not bitter. But I've just been taking some time. If I don't see you or don't hang around when they're here and when they're hanging out, it's not out of bitterness or meanness. I'm just trying to get myself together, figure out my stuff, and I will be back. It's, you know, I'm not gone. You can be honest with your friends and tell them what you're dealing with and what you're trying to do. You don't have to say, you know, I have, I have seven days left in two weeks <laughs> and, you know, before I speak to them again. You don't have to say that, but you can just give, your, give people around you a heads up that this situation is still kind of new and delicate and and tell them what you're doing and you don't have to pick friends in a breakup i mean i think most people can eventually get if they had a really good relationship get to a, a good place with their exes i just think that this gives you space to do it you know i don't actually completely agree that you shouldn't create like a calendar or some ticking clock that says six days left <laughs> it might be kind of motivating to look at your your clock every month or your calendar every month and be like, okay, two months left where this person's not a person. Uh, do you advocate blocking them on social media places just to not see the things they're up to? 
Um, I think I think it can be very useful. And I have a friend who her ex reaches out to her all the time, and I'm very um, pro blocking him because not because <laughs> he's mean about it, but just as a, he's nice when he reaches out, but just as a way to say I can't deal with this right now. And when I can deal with it or when things change between us or when I get some more space, maybe we'll be friends again. Maybe I'll follow you again. But I don't think there's a reason to be following them. I think mute is a really valuable button. I think it's a great button that takes away from the kind of the sting of blocking somebody. But it also says, here's a boundary that you're putting up for yourself that I don't need to see them in on vacation with a new person. I don't need to see them and their family that I was really close to, or the dog that I kind of thought was kind of mine. Right. You don't need to see all of that. I, I love the fact that you say mute is a really valuable button. I see that as a T-shirt now. If I ever roll it out, though, I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you some of the, the money that I make from it. I promise. I'll cut you into the deal. Uh, real quick, before I let you go, you're a great writer at GQ. Uh, that article that we're talking about, The Only Surefire Way to Get Over an X, is available there. It's on the Internet, so you can find it all over the place. Uh, you can also follow Sophia on Twitter, you're at one follow er M O D A Modad. Thank you, M O D A D. Uh, so check her out there. Uh, I like this article that you wrote too, though. The eight sexiest things men did this past month. Do you write that one often? Um, I just started that up. So the last two months we've done it, and there will be more coming for November, December, and um, yeah. I just I felt like we it was a good time to celebrate. Right, good, positive, fun things that are happening. That so we're doing. I don't want to give up the whole article. Can you give us just one example of something sexy that a guy did last month? Um. Well, actually, the, the first one that it was actually not last month. It was October. But um, I love Twitch, the dancer. Um, he was on So You Think You Can Dance. He and his wife, the entire time she was pregnant, would make these cute daily videos that were really sweet and sexy and fun. And it just and he clearly they clearly love each other so much. Um, so that was one of the things that started it, where I was like, oh, this is just such a wholesome, fun, sexy thing that this couple is doing. So that was kind of where it came from. Yeah, cool. It's great to highlight those kind of things. Uh, thank you again for joining us, Sophia. You can find her on Twitter. You can find her articles at GQ. I hope to talk to you more every so often when I find a, another one of your great articles, which all of them are great. I'll be reaching out and trying to get you back on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, a lot more coming up on the Craig Collins Show. Quick break here. We've got a lot more guests to talk to today. We're talking about a great um, fund, a great charity here in Bloomington that's actually going to help a lot of health care providers. I'll be talking about that in about 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, first, a quick break. UJBC. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. This is the Greg Collins Show on WJBC. I'm with you guys until 6 o'clock. Dave Ramsey rolls in after that. Uh, He doesn't actually roll in here. He's just on our airwaves. It'd be cool if uh, he and I were passing, although I'm sure he'd judge a lot of the financial decisions I make if we knew each other in real life, so maybe I'm actually glad that that is not uh, something he does here live. Uh, Tom Hanks is in the news because, one, he has another movie opening this weekend, a movie in which he plays Mr. Rogers, and anyone... That's around my age that grew up with Mr. Rogers knows that Tom Hanks is the epitome of that character. He's the absolute correct actor to choose. He seems to embody him in all the trailers that I've seen. So it's a it's a wonderful uh, marrying of a guy that makes sense in a role and a role that I would care about because I loved Mr. Rogers growing up. Uh, it was just a, a great, you know, um, educational kind of uh 
I don't know, there's no good way to describe all the emotions that as a kid you got watching that show. But it was it was one of my favorite shows as a kid, uh, for sure. And I'm thrilled to see Tom Hanks play this role. And what's funny about it, and the reason they're talking about it uh, yesterday, is that it it was recently discovered and actually told to Tom Hanks on a red carpet that he's related to Fred Rogers. He's a far-flung relative, a sixth cousin, I think. Someone went to Ancestry.com and attempted to connect the two people and found that if you go far enough back, there's a a family connection. So um, Hanks actually said in response to that, it all just comes together, you see. Uh, So he was as thrilled to find out about it as anyone else would be. It's a cool story, and uh, he does a great job of looking like and impersonating Fred Rogers, who, by the way, if you want to see one cool thing about Mr. Rogers, one thing that I think really demonstrates who he was beyond the person who hosted a, a TV show designed for children on a public radio, on a public television station is him lobbying for funds in front of Congress. This is something you should Google. Google Mr. Rogers in front of Congress fighting for funding for public television shows like his and especially his and the way in which the government treats him. The representatives in government at the time seemed to be a little bit disappointed to begin with and maybe not in Mr. Rogers, but in the concept of giving as much money as they were asking for to these kinds of television programs and probably wrongly assuming a whole lot of it was going to be cartoon shows and things that maybe the the um, the government representatives wouldn't have had, wouldn't have put a lot of faith and value in. And the way in which Mr. Rogers argues his points as kindly as he does and even using lyrics to a song he wrote which was used on one of the episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, it's just a a wonderful demonstration of how passionate this person was, how great uh, he was, and how, how valuable his show was uh, to us here in society, and certainly to people like me, again, who remember it so fondly. Uh, one quick story I have in front of me as well before I take another break. I found an article that 2,000 adults took part in a study, and apparently, and this will make my wife very happy, This will make people here like Scott Miller very happy. Uh, But people are turning to refurbished and secondhand items at a higher rate than ever before. Part of the reason why is to be friendly to the the world, uh, to be green living. It's also certainly because people live with less than they used to live with financially. Um, But a staggering 55% of people are over the stigma of buying something secondhand or something refurbished. Two-thirds of people consider it environmentally and socially uh, practical to purchase something that is used. Half of people are not worried about a fast fashion or something being out of fashion that they purchase. And six in ten people say that it's important for them to shop as green as possible, including buying things that are used and still in good uh, quality. I should note that even though all those things are positives, this study was paid for by a pop-up shop called Gift Gaff that was selling things around the Black Friday holiday that were all secondhand. So there was funding into this specific uh, study, these these interviews, these whatever you want to call them, this poll uh, that was, you know, by a company that had value in it going a certain way. But I believe all this still. Uh, some of the things that people would buy secondhand, collectibles, cars, of course, obviously, books are things that are purchased secondhand often. Furniture, 58% of people said they would buy a piece of furniture used without any kind of qualms. Artwork, DVDs, Blu-rays, mobile phones, 30% of people. Shoes, 
19% of people, uh, people buy a lot, a lot of things. Uh, they like to go to auction sites or to online stores as well as certain pop-up shops. So, you know, around this time, around holiday season, if you were to get a secondhand gift, do you think you'd feel okay about that? If you knew someone picked up your Christmas present by going to a thrift store or something, but it was something you really wanted or really liked, I, I wonder if a lot of us would mind. I don't think it would be that big of a deal. Another break here on the Craig Collins Show. you got Sanjay Gupta coming up. We've got a lot more show, a lot more guests to talk to. But first, a quick break, and then more Brian Walder the rest of the day. Today, we're going to have some increasing clouds. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Rain showers are likely a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning. High 57, low of 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a high of 39. And on Sunday, partly sunny, a high of 43. Right now it is 48 at Radio Bloomington. Uh, I can't wait to talk to my next guest in just a few minutes. She is the founder and a managing member of John M. Scott's Healthcare Trust. Uh, this trust is designed to to benefit you know a bunch of different healthcare providers throughout our community. Uh, they have grants totaling 1.2 million dollars that will be going to 21 different organizations through fiscal year 2022. Uh, the McLean County Center for Human Services will receive $100,000 per year uh, for the next three years. There's quite a few different organizations that will benefit uh, from this, and I can't wait to talk to Holly uh, more about the start of it, kind of the ideas behind it. Uh, there's a lot of great things going into this work and certainly an area in which we can use all the help we can get as far as health care is concerned, the rising costs of health care, uh, the difficulty for health care providers along with people that, that are in need of health care, to get you know properly paid for those kind of things we forget uh, on our side of things that it might be difficult sometimes for the providers to get paid by in insurance companies and everyone else so there's a lot of ways in which a a trust like this can benefit our community at large and benefit the people giving us great health care uh, 5.5 million dollar floating mansion there is a 5.5 million dollar floating mansion that is considered the ultimate luxury at sea I believe that this uh, this mansion is for sale as well. It is essentially built on a yacht that is four thousand three hundred square mi square feet big. It's it's a modern villa, is the way it's called. Uh, you have to look this up. You have to Google this. It has four and a half bathroom bathrooms, a swimming platform, a retractable deck, a roof covered with solar panels. This thing is just ridiculous. It doesn't have, as far as I can see, any kind of smart technology. So I guess I'm a little bit disappointed that, that it doesn't incorporate more increasing clouds today. Uh, tonight, rain showers are likely a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning, a high of 57, a low of 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a high of 39. And on Sunday, it's partly sunny, a high of 43. Right now, it is 47 at Radio Bloomington. Uh, this half hour, the Craig Collins Show is sponsored by Geico. Uh, great news, there's a quick way for you to save money. Switch to GEICO. Uh, GEICO could help you get great coverage at a great price, and it only takes 15 minutes to see if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today and see how much you could save. You're listening to The Great Collins Show on WJBC. This is The Great Collins Show on WJBC. My next guest is Holly Ambule. Well, I already found out as I was chatting with her off the air, I totally changed your role with this organization with the uh, John M. Scott Healthcare Trust. 
And uh, I apologize for doing that, although it is, I gave you a pretty prestigious title there. I made you the founder and managing member. You are actually Holly what? Holly Ambiel. I'm the volunteer chair of the John Scott Commission. Got it. I'm not the founder of a multi-million dollar trust, but thank you. For not the, the founder. Uh, right. Not the founder <laughs> of a multi-million dollar trust that has existed in this community since 1980. Uh, I, I, yeah. And John Scott actually was a contemporary of Lincoln. So it's gotcha. been around for a while. Okay. Yeah. I'm As I've mentioned before, <laughs> I'm new to Bloomington. I'm fairly new to the community. So I've only been here a month and I, I didn't know a lot of things. I did see your article, though, in the Panagraph, the conversation about the 1.2 million dollars that is going to 21 different organizations through fiscal year 2022 and i'm like i'd love to find out more i'd love to talk to someone behind this stuff uh, one of the first questions that obviously comes up certainly for someone like me that seems to know very little about this is who was john m scott sure most people don't know i think he's a well-kept secret in our community but he left quite a legacy so john scott served multiple positions of leadership in our county and uh, starting in the city level and then the county and then the state level he was a supreme court justice in illinois um he lived at the same time as lincoln and um when he died he left his entire estate to the city of bloomington and uh, for a number of reasons um and in the early 1980s it finally um was to the point where all of his secondary annuitants were gone and the city assumed control um but under the guidance of the court, they divided the money up into three different purposes. And one of those purposes was to make um, health care more accessible to lower income residents of McLean County. And by lower income, what do you actually mean? You mean people at what level of income? Sure. So the way that we've uh, defined that um, that's been approved by the court and the trustee is persons that are under 185 percent of the federal poverty limit, which loosely translates into our state's Medicaid population. Got it. Okay. Um, so how many people are involved in this organization? So I serve on a volunteer commission with 10 other local volunteers wow. that are um, a mix of community development and grant experts and also actually healthcare providers. So we have an internal physician, an optometrist, a psychiatrist, a, a master's level nurse practitioner, um, and former um, clinic managers, and it's a really great group of people and experts that advise the trustee. The trustee is actually the city of Bloomington Council, which mm -hmm. is very unique. Um, <laughs> so our job is to make recommendations to them about how to use the trust for the stated purpose. So can I ask you what got you into this? What makes this a passion of yours? Sure, I have a long history um, in my career in working in healthcare and healthcare policy um, in the public and nonprofit sectors. Um, so I bring that experience to the table. I've been involved with the trust as a commissioner since 2015 in one way or another. And there's a break in between where I served in a more advisory role. Um, I came back to the commission a couple of years ago and then um, as of earlier this year became the chair. I succeeded <clears throat> Sue Grant who ran as chair for quite a while and did a great job. And so she's a tough act to follow and she's actually recovering at home right now as a healthcare consumer herself. So I just want to wish her well. If she's listening, Sue, we're thinking about you. Uh, so just out of curiosity, what's it like working with, with people in this uh, community? Because I imagine you've come across some people that, that utilize the funds for from these different grants, from this, this trust and all the different places that benefit from it. And I'm sure that these uh, individuals are, are abundantly grateful to be capable of getting, you know, better health care um, than they can afford, maybe better health care than maybe they had access to because of whatever Medicare kind of coverage they have. Uh, what's it like to work in a community like that? 
So um, a couple things. I would say since this is the first year that there's been a transparent competitive grant process for Mm -hmm. the trust, I don't think the average person is familiar with the workings of the trust just like you were before this interview. So I wouldn't suggest that local people are, you know, thanking me when I am grocery shopping For or anything. Sure. No, yeah, no, it's <laughs> so, right. um, so Adding you I to do So we are stewards of this trust um, and are charged with making sure that it's used to the greatest possible impact in our community. So yeah. after a health reform passed um, about five or six years ago, um, or even longer now, time's flying, um, what became apparent was that the, the model that was used prior to this new grant program was less um, impactful because a lot of the people that used to walk into our township offices for direct assistance were able to get coverage elsewhere. And so the need for um, the prior mechanism changed. And so we revisited the model and that's when we decided to start administering the funds through a grant program. So now the funds will go to agencies um, or units of government that are working with the population that the trust is intended to benefit and ver- versus um, being paid um, on a reimbursement or unit of service level. Got it. So I think over time, some of the people that benefit may come to understand um, what's behind that, but in most cases they won't. They'll um, just continue to get the services they um, that they right need now. to experience well-being and health in our community. Got it. So two things. I have to take a quick break. Two things I've learned so far. You are not the founder and um, <laughs> you know creator of a trust that's existed since 1980. And second, you don't need to pray to you. You're not the last person you mentioned at the dinner prayer table uh, after God yes. and the family and everything. You don't need to say and thank you to Holly too. These are good <laughs> things for me to yes. know. I will take a quick break. More Craig Collins show coming up. More of a conversation about the John, John M. Scott Healthcare C.com. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. I'm kind of thrilled to have Holly in studio right now because I'm learning things off the air about this trust that I obviously didn't know on the air when I was talking about it. So it's good to be a little more educated, a little more informed. Uh, Holly, my next question for you, I guess, is, is pretty simple. How is this different than other other trusts, maybe other other things that exist in the same space? Sure. Well, there there's quite a few local funders, and they do a lot of really good things. Um, the most obvious difference is that this is a trust, and it's only limited to local people. Um, and we are required to focus its use on healthcare services. John Scott's original intent was actually to build a hospital, so he um, envisioned using his money to construct and then maintain a hospital if there was money left over. And he also suggested that if money was left over, it'd be used to provide us a, a school or a place of education for girls, which um, at the time made him kind of ahead of his time. He left quite a legacy. Um, he was thinking about equity when it came to women, when it came to health care. He specifically wanted to make sure that um, emancipated slaves and, and African-Americans would be treated at this hospital he envisioned having. So that's all part of our vision now is that we want to make sure that it's used um, appropriately and for the people that will benefit the most. And um, in our community, there's a lot of disparity. And so we want to target the use of these monies to um, help alleviate those disparities and improve health equity and health outcomes. Cool. I, I see also, uh, as I read through some of the information, that there's some research, research that discusses childhood trauma and how that might be, um, you know, a, a useful guide in predicting um, some different things. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. So we invited 
um, people to be creative with their proposals mm -hmm. in this application process. We ask them to explain how they would leverage social determinants of health to improve health outcomes. Social determinants of health are things that um, are highly correlated with either poor health outcomes or good health outcomes that don't happen inside a doctor's office or a hospital. So it's things like having access to food, um, having education, having um, stable uh, income in your home, having a safe neighborhood and access to recreational opportunities. All those things matter and so we wanted to invite proposals that might target some of those things. One of the things that research is showing us is that um, how important it is to focus on children's well-being because when children experience one or more trauma um, traumatic experiences during childhood it's much they're much more likely to actually be physically unhealthy in adulthood so wow um, it's it's fascinating research and there's some people in our community that are experts on that and doing really good work and so we wanted to be supportive of that too helping kids is a great a great initiative in and of itself thank you so much for joining me holly thank you for educating me a whole lot more on how this all works you're holly ambule you are one of the um, people in charge was what's your exact title again <laughs> Chair of the John Scott Commission. There it's it is. a volunteer role. Right. A volunteer role, one of several yeah. uh, people that exist doing this kind of work. i got to take another break on the Craig Collins Show. A lot more coming up. But thank you. We have increasing clouds today. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Rain showers are likely a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning, high of 57, low of 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a high of 39. On Sunday, partly sunny, a high of 43. Right now, it is 47 at Radio Bloomington. You're listening to The Greg Collins Show on WJBC. I'm excited to talk to my next guest. Her name is Olga Kazan, Kazan I think, although on her Twitter page it says you can pronounce her last name however you want. Uh, Olga, am I saying it even close to right? Yep, everything is right because you okay. can pronounce it however you want. Right, there you go. I, well, <laughs> how do you pronounce it, just out of curiosity? I say Hazan. Hazan. Okay, then I'm saying Hazan from now on. I don't. I, I didn't even mean for that to rhyme. By the way, you are a writer. Uh, you are a staff writer at the Atlantic. Uh, you have a great article that's out right now. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of great articles out right now. But one that just got published the other day, the three personalities of America. I read through this. Um, you don't know this. I'm from the East Coast originally, born and raised in New Jersey, right outside of New York City. I now live in the Midwest here hosting a radio show. And so I was very intrigued uh, with the concept of how personalities and maybe mindsets and, and certain things determine our, our personality here in different areas and that there's essentially three. Um, and this is all research that was done by a psychologist. His name is Jason Rentfro. He was, is a psychologist at the University of Cambridge. Um, so it's a fascinating read. I, I recommend you read it. Uh, but first, can you try to uh, discuss some of the, the ways in which this research maybe was conducted, some of the things they focused on? Yeah. So essentially, he, um, this guy, Jason Renfro, is really interested in whether people in different parts of the country have different personalities um, or temperaments. So he basically is taking personality surveys um, that people take in different parts of the country. Let's say you sitting at home, you get bored one day, you go to his website, you take a personality test and you say, you know, when uh, someone gives me a high five, uh, you know, it, it freaks me out or it makes me happy, uh, you know, and then uh, you say where you live um, and then he'll kind of quantify that, you know, an algorithm will quantify your personality based on these big five traits that we have in, in psychology that determine your personality. 
Um, and uh, essentially he uses that to figure out where, like what kinds of personalities different parts of the country have and how that affects things like elections or the economy. Yeah, and obviously, like with this kind of study, uh, the amount of people uh, you look into, it, there's a certain value in that. He uh, studied like 3 million different people, and they were asked 44 questions, correct, about all different kinds of those big five traits to, to really develop a clear image. So it's not like a, a survey where 2,000 people responded. This is over 3 million people uh, answering a lot of different questions to get a very good idea of who you are. Uh, one thing that I thought was fascinating in your article is what he ends up um, focusing most on, and certainly it's to somewhat digest the results of a recent election, whether it be our, our presidential election or stuff going on in the UK, too. Um, but he focuses a lot on neuroticism, right? Yeah, so neuroticism is this tendency to be really depressed or anxious. Um, and essentially what he and his co-authors found is that um, the more a level of neuroticism in a certain county in the U.S., um, the likelier that that county would go for um, Trump uh, in the 2016 election, even over their support for Mitt Romney. So it's not just that they were Republican. It's that they liked Trump specifically as a candidate. Yeah. An easier way to say that maybe for people to understand is that what you're worried about, what your biggest worries and concerns are, not necessarily what you would say are, quote unquote, my priorities in an election. But truthfully, you know, these are maybe the three things I worry about uh, most. If a candidate is capable of tapping into those things, he's very, very likely to get your support. Right, exactly. So these are folks who are really predisposed to be worried and anxious. And, you know, I, everyone might recall, you know, on the, on the uh, 2016 campaign trail, Trump was really good at saying, you know, talking a lot about immigration, a lot about terrorism and other things that are, um, you know, have the potential to make us a little bit scared. And like, what is my future going to be like? Am I going to be safe? So the people who were really um, sensitive to those kinds of reminders uh, did end up voting for Trump. Yeah, uh, and his research then went well beyond uh, how how much neuroses we all have. It went into certainly three different personalities that he thought existed throughout the United States, and they all break down into different geographic areas. The Midwest is one of those three personalities. So since we're here, since I'm broadcasting from Bloomington, Illinois, I want to ask you, what are some of the characteristics of you know the quote-unquote Midwest? Yeah, so he calls the Midwest, and I don't mean this as any kind of dig or anything, he calls it friendly and conventional. Um, and essentially, it just means that people who live in the Midwest tend to ha have high levels of extroversion. They tend to be very sociable. They tend to be very agreeable, so they tend to be very nice, uh, nice to get along with and be around. And they also tend to be very conscientious, which is like hardworking, organized, things like that, um, which are three of the big five personality traits. Um, and uh, essentially, this is a place you know, they write where people really believe in traditional values, the family, and kind of, you know, sticking to the status quo, not not changing things up too much. Um, and that is sort of the quote unquote personality that he found uh, most kind of defines the Midwest. Yeah. Um, uh, to keep going then, because uh, I, I told you I'm from the East Coast. I'm from New Jersey, New York. I'll leave that till third, though. Uh, so I'll talk about the West Coast next. I just want to mention that I think uh, my time in the East Coast and then moving to the Midwest demonstrated to me how much people are proud of those things about being friendly about being you know an open kind of 
different uh, experience than if you're walking around in, say, New York City. So it's certainly not yes. a dig. I think a lot of the people in this community would, would wear that as a badge of honor, that they're the, the personality trait of being kind and courteous uh, more so than anything else. So the West yes. Coast is then the second kind of big personality group. Uh, tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, so he calls the West Coast um, uh, as being a place where Americans are relaxed and creative, which anyone who has been to California uh, might uh, recognize. Um, essentially, they're just very open to things. Um, they are very curious, have a lot of imagination. They like variety. Um, and they're not very, you know, neurotic or anything like that. They're not quite as busy as we are on the East Coast. Um, so you generally have like a lot of artists and innovators and people who are kind of uh, ideating a lot and, and kind of being chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so then the third group is a group that I, I affectionately um, refer to as people that are, you know, maybe busier. Maybe the people that don't really care so much about what's going on with you. Um, but tell me a little bit about people on the East Coast, people in that third group. Right. So this is the one that uh, might make uh, New Yorkers a little bit mad. Um, but I have to say, I'm also from Texas, and Texas is also in this category. Um, so these are states that have higher neuroticism. Um, they're also high on openness. So you do get that like creativity and imagination um, on the East Coast and in Texas. But um, they are a higher neuroticism. So that kind of like, depressed kind of anxious kind of like personality you know i'm walking here right exactly <laughs> uh, <laughs> um you know that that some people who might have visited uh new york as tourists might recognize um of course not everyone is like that um uh but they do say that kind of what's distinctive about the east coast is that you have a clustering of people who are a little bit higher in that personality trait <laughs> uh well, the first time i brought my wife to uh new york she's a farm girl she's from a small small town uh, we're getting off of uh, the ferry at Ellis Island, and she uh, hears people behind us yelling that they thought everyone was walking backwards because they were walking so slow. We had a group of New Yorkers that were like, what, what, what are you guys doing? You all seem like you're walking backwards here. And I understand <laughs> and appreciate the love that's in those words. She, uh, she was a little startled by them. But I love yeah. that that's uh, part of the study. What's interesting in you saying that, though, and saying that uh, the the researchers started to take on uh, this this study mostly to figure out how certain political parties were supported is that that third group that is the highest in, in neurotic tendencies did not necessarily support uh, the, the current president of the United States as much as people in some of the other groups did. Right. That's true. Yeah. So the Northeast was one of the places where Hillary Clinton picked up states. But if you look at a county level, um, Trump still did dominate um, many places in the Northeast, um, even in the states, you know, of course, because of the Electoral College that, um, you know, uh, did or, or did not go for him. It, it's kind of different between the county level and the state level. Um, so neuroticism might explain why he was a more popular choice uh, than Romney in some of those areas, especially places like Pennsylvania or Ohio, which which do have the high neuroticism, but which, um, you know, Trump won. Uh, and, and it was kind of a surprise that he did. Yeah. Uh, by the way, real quick note, my mother loves to text my radio show. I've only been doing this show for like five weeks and she loves to text me. She has a master's degree in psychology. She teaches a college course 
uh, at a local community college uh, in her area. And I just got a text from her that she thinks this article is incredible and she's going to teach a class on it. So now we've both landed, or you a lot more than me, have landed as a, a topic in a college course now. So that's awesome that my radio show can provide that. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, one last question for you and then I'll let you go. Yeah. Uh, Olga, I'm curious, one other thing that's mentioned in your article talks about openness and then also kind of agreeableness. So what are some of the tendencies or some of the places where people are or more. And by that, do you mean actually open to new ideas? What does that mean? Yeah, openness is kind of um, that thing we were talking about on the on the West Coast, which is sort of like uh, the kind of uh, imaginative person who's really curious, who is uh, really into new ideas and diversity. Um, that is kind of highest in, in large cosmopolitan cities. Um, so the states that um, have a lot of openness often tend to have large cities. Um, uh, there's also some evidence that agreeableness, which is another one you mentioned, which is like that kindness and warmth, um, uh, you, it tends to happen when people don't move around as much. So, um, you, you know, whenever you're going to be living next to your neighbors for decades and decades, you kind of start to develop some kindness and warmth toward them that, you know, people in D.C., might not because they're going to be gone with the next, you know, administration. <laughs> Got it. I, I heard as you were saying that myself because I came from the East Coast. Now I live in the Midwest, so I'm not as kind as my name. That's probably true. Okay, fine. I'm going to try harder. Olga, you've helped me uh, to realize some of my own flaws. Thank you for jumping on. Uh, you have great articles from The Atlantic, and they're all over the place. Uh, you cover uh, three different things. You, for the most part, cover health gender and science uh, but there's a lot of interesting reads in the stuff you're putting out every single day uh, you can follow olga on twitter by going to at olga uh Hazan. did i say it right yes okay good yes, but that is spelled k-h-a-z-a-n if you're looking her up on twitter uh, so check that out do read this article by the way anyone listening i'll share it on my facebook page because it's a fascinating read in and of itself my mom is now going to teach a college course uh, utilizing it. So so thank you for joining us, Olga. I hope to talk to you again soon. Um, and really great article. Thank you so much. Thanks. I really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. All right. We got to take a quick break here on the Craig Collins Show. We got a tonight. Mostly cloudy. Rain showers are likely a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning. High of 57, low of 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a high of 39. And on Sunday, it's partly sunny, a high of 43. Right now it is 45 at Radio Bloomington. Now back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. My next guest is a writer for the um, Sacramento uh, Business Journal. His name is Ben Vandermeer. He covered a story uh, last, or well, earlier this year actually, that has now been picked up by ESPN. There's a viral article out from the other day. It's a crazy story about one of their executives named Jeffrey David. Um, but first, Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yep. I wanted to talk to you because you covered this story as it was going on. You covered the, the trial, essentially, and um, he was eventually sentenced, right, uh, Jeffrey was? He was. He had pleaded guilty, and I believe he received a four-year prison sentence. Wow. Okay, so first let's describe why this story is so intriguing, uh, why it's something that would, would go viral in the first place, because the headline of it essentially is that an executive for an NBA franchise was capable of embezzling $13 million from the organization he worked for over the course of several years. So how did that even happen is, I guess, my first question to you. 
Well, at the time that he was working for the Kings, he had the role of chief revenue officer, which meant he was directly involved in arranging the sponsorships and partnerships for the team. At that time, the Sacramento Kings were building a new arena here in Sacramento, and they were working with a lot of local companies to get their names on the arena, names in other partnerships, and he was playing a direct role in getting some of those agreements made. What emerged was that over time he was, after getting an initial agreement, going back to those companies and executing a side agreement where those companies, those firms, were paying money into a different account he had created specifically for that purpose, unbeknownst, of course, to the Kings themselves. And the way in which he was eventually caught, I guess, is that he was someone else in the in the Kings organization was looking for a document from him that he had neglected to give her for for, I guess, an amount of time long enough for her to go poking around in some of his files, and she comes across what is the Sacramento Sports Partners LLC, which sounded a lot like a lot of the company's actual organizations and LLCs that they had tied to the team, and yet no one knew what it was. So I guess a question I have for you, too, covering a lot of of maybe things like this and a lot of the business world there in Sacramento, is this a common practice of someone who's trying to to execute something like this to create a company that sounds a whole lot like a real one and then go directly to clients to gain funds from them is that a common practice it's not something that sounds particularly uh, common. Uh, I would be very surprised if embezzling from <laughs> professional sports franchises is common well, sure. here or anywhere. <laughs> what I meant by that uh, is, I... in I, I guess, in white-collar crimes of all different kinds in all different places, is this, because what surprises me so much about this is how he wasn't caught for so long, and he was truthfully only caught because right before he was going to leave the organization for another job at a di- with a different team, this one other employee poked around enough things to discover something. So I'm just surprised that I guess his strategy worked, uh, that, that it wasn't something where you know one of these companies would reach out to someone other than him to talk about it. Well, what happened was he at first, he had, when he'd executed these side agreements with these companies, specifically Kaiser Permanente, which is a non-profit healthcare organization, and Golden One Credit Union, which is a credit union, both of them based here in California, he had come up with these side agreements. He had also forged the names of executives with the Kings on mm-hmm. them to where those, to those organizations, everything seemed above board. On top of that, the side deals that he had cut were essentially advance payments on the existing partnership, even though the franchises and the franchise and the the uh, entities didn't know that the money wasn't going to the Kings at all. So in essence, though, it would have eventually been discovered. It would have been several years in the future when there would have been uh, some discussion of, well, we paid that to you back in 2015, 2016. Where did you do with the money? It would have happened sometime in the future. It wasn't something that necessarily would have been caught very quickly. Got it. So then if you're the kind of person like he is to to come up with a plan like this and you know that at some point down the road you're going to be caught uh, covering the trial, was was he the kind of person that was remorseful of his, of his activities? Did he have any reasons for for doing something like this for as long as he did, knowing that I guess someday he'd get caught doing it? 
He used the rationalization. Uh, I think that he always intended to pay the team back someday, <laughs> and w- at least with what he had spent the money on that he had embezzled, he had bought a couple, uh, primarily what he had spent it on was a couple of beachfront houses in Southern California, which, whatever else you might say, are typically assets that appreciate pretty well over time. So I suppose there's some rationale that he might have been able to do that. Uh, but he himself never really spoke publicly. It wasn't actually until the story you're referencing that ESPN had earlier this week where he spoke. And even in that, he didn't give a real, that I saw, um, understanding of even why he did it himself. Uh, he, he still seemed at something of a loss as to why he undertook this whole thing to begin with. Yeah, certainly all I saw from their article and some of yours is some reference to an amount of alcohol alcohol use, maybe work stress being part of that. Um, Do you see a lot of that in cases somewhat? I mean, I know there's not a lot of cases similar, but somewhat similar where someone who's, I mean, what, what shocked me so much, I guess, and maybe this is a better question for you as an expert in the business world, is that you would do something that you know you'd get caught doing, even though you say that he intended to to give the money back. Did he actually assume that he'd do it in a way where no one would notice where it came from? You know, over the years when at some time or another you write about crime, embezzlement always strikes me as the most baffling, and this is no exception, in that there's such a high likelihood of being caught sooner or later. Uh, Years ago, a district attorney told me typically embezzlement is fueled by someone having a personal issue. Maybe it's a gambling addiction, maybe it's a chemical or it's a uh, alcohol abuse, drug addiction, something like that that compels them to steal from their employer. What's unusual here is we don't have any evidence of any of that being in play. Uh, The best speculation anyone has had is that he was operating in an environment that was high pressure but also had enormous amounts of money being thrown around. Uh, There was a new arena being built for half a billion dollars. There were, of course, very wealthy people who owned the team who were spending that money in the course of building this arena. There may have just been a sense of, you know what, I want to get a piece of that too. But frankly, it's all speculation. Even he, as I said, doesn't seem to understand why he did it. Wow. Uh, One last question for you, and I'll let you go. And thank you again for joining the show. Um, I was curious about the person who eventually discovered um, all of these, you know, the essentially the LLC that didn't make any sense, that seemed like it was made up. In your experience, do you see a lot of that where it's one other employee who stumbles upon something that maybe they weren't supposed to be privy to that unravels everything? And um, out of curiosity, have you ever spoken to anyone like this person described in the ESPN article that has a lot of anxiety as they're figuring this kind of stuff out? I can't say that I have, but it usually is when these sort of things get discovered. It's someone on the inside who happens to just look over the books a second or third time or see some paperwork that doesn't quite make sense and says, you know, something doesn't seem right here. It usually starts from a place of just puzzlement and gradually becomes something more. That sounds like what happened here. What was perhaps really interesting is that it was a file he had left behind on his computer. He had already taken another role with the Miami Heat. If he had deleted that file before he'd left, 
it's conceivable it might have been a lot longer before this was discovered. Yeah, how crazy. And the file was actually called TurboTax, so the other person looking for documents stumbled upon what looked like a tax return document of his that had an LLC for the team on his personal return, which puzzled her enough to start asking questions. I just can't imagine the stress of if I ever stumbled upon a coworker that was involved in something like that. Like You'd have to be 100% sure you're understanding everything you're reading correctly before even going that road because essentially she's reading a bunch of stuff she's not supposed to be reading per se on the on the gut assumption that all of it is leading to a place that you know the team needs to know about so just a crazy story i imagine covering it there was wild in the fact that it was it came out of nowhere i assume it it was especially from the sense too that the uh, Sacramento Kings are uh, at that time the only professional sports team in Sacramento, and as a result, they have a lot of uh, goodwill in the community. They had a very public battle to keep the team here and build the new arena. When something like this emerged, I think it really set a lot of people thinking, "Wow, maybe you know there's something odd going on there that we just didn't know about." Uh, you'd have to imagine to some extent goodwill was what allowed this to happen, and that there were companies that said hey sounds good we're proud to be part of this team staying here we'll sign on to these deals even though as it turns out they weren't vetted as well as they should have been wow well thank you again for joining us you can read all of his stuff online you could where are you at on twitter by the way uh my twitter i am at let's see here just sometimes i don't think of myself it is uh ben v sack biz cool perfect read about this story this crazy story from the guy who initially covered it you don't have to go to the espn articles to do it you got to go to the guys who are in the areas thank you ben for jumping on the show and uh if we ever have another crazy story out of sacramento i'd love to talk to you again Okay, maybe you never know. Right, you never know. That's exactly correct. All right, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Quick break here on the Craig Collins Show. A lot more coming up. I just couldn't believe that story when I saw it. $13 million, and the guy doesn't get caught for years, essentially years, and it's that one little TurboTax uh, document that wound up getting him busted before he's out of town. All right, quick break. BC. We are about 10 minutes away from Betty Pick's time. If you don't know what that is on the Craig Collins Show, my wife Betty, who has never seen a full professional football game, makes picks each week in football. She makes some in college basketball. She doesn't, again, want to know any details about the players or the teams. Uh, She's not too concerned about that, but she's really good at picking winners. So she picks them. We give away prizes when callers call in and pick against her. You don't have to beat my wife because it's pretty hard to do to, to pick more winners than she can pick. But you just have to play along and we'll give away a prize Uh, Before I go to the news, though, which I have a news break in like a minute, I want to mention this article that I teased, I think, yesterday and today. It talks about how even like a gentler form of fasting is as, you know, life lengthening as more frequent, more invasive kinds of fasting about uh, the same as any kind of fad diet would be on your health. 2,000 people that dealt with cardiac issues were studied for this. They were asked to fast for just one day, 24 hours. And uh, by doing that once a month, they were able to get better, um, to have more, you know, testable, demonstrable health benefits to it and to live longer, about 4.5 years longer. Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, increasing clouds today, then mostly cloudy rain showers likely tonight, a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning, high of 57, low of 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a high of 39. Sunday, partly sunny, a high of 43. Betty is in studio and coughing, if you heard that. And then she you had a panic look on your face, Betty. Everything's okay. Right now at Radio Bloomington, it is 40. 
five. And even though Betty has a theme song when she comes on my show, she has made a special request for a different song. So here, let's play this. That is Betty's new favorite artist, Billie Eilish. Uh, Billie Eilish is nominated for Grammy Awards, I'm told by Betty, who's diving deep into the Grammy nominations, which came out today. The awards are not until January, but we officially know who's uh, who's nominated for stuff. Betty, you're reacting to a lot of those things, right? Yeah, I'm very excited about that girl. Yeah, you're very excited about Billie? Yeah, yeah. Why do you like her so much? I don't know. I just listen. It's crazy because I just discovered her yesterday, and uh, it seems like she's all over the place already, and I just realized uh, about her one uh-huh. of her songs, and I really like it. You also like the outfit she wears, you said? Yeah, she's she's great. She she uh, she has like green hair and like a very like neon um outfits and Well and let's tell people exactly why you like her so much. She recently performed in Mexico and you found a viral video of yeah. a fan in Mexico yeah. yelling at Billy Ellish while she's like in her own private car yeah. just wanting a hug. And what happened? Uh she she came out of her limousine or whatever and uh she hugged like a like a like a little girl, like she was like eleven or ten years old, uh-huh. and that broke my heart because a lot of people they they and especially like artists like her or let's say Ariana Grande or whatever famous artist that you wanna name, they don't do that stuff. Like they really don't care. They just care about ratings, money. Who who cares? You you liked it even more though because it was a, a Mexican fan in Mexico and Billy stopped her her. Uh, yeah, you, you don't to... see those things pretty often, no. and and, uh, and that was pretty sweet. <laughs> so now you're a huge fan of Billie Eilish. I did hear you react to at least one name on that list negatively for Grammy Award nominees. You uh, said, who didn't you like that was on there? Taylor Swift. I heard you say Taylor <laughs> Swift's name. You get upset that I like her so much, but I don't think you listen well, to enough you of her music. Buy your, you buy her CDs. Hey, now, and hey, like, hey, that only I mean, happened you're once. A little, a little bit upset about I only bought her one, songs. Look, we got to explain that to the listeners. I only bought one Taylor Swift CD. We were in line at Starbucks, <laughs> and it was like the first time that she wasn't doing country music, and I kind of wanted to hear it, and... Yeah, I bought I bought weird CDs at well, Starbucks she's pretty before. Good. And she's a, she owns she also like writes her own songs on I, I mean yeah. yeah. But I, I I love Starbucks. I we go to them all the time. I'm a gold member on the app because of how much we visit there and sometimes I just buy the CDs sitting in front of me. I don't know. I'm especially that, Taylor Swift CDs. But I'm that way about everything, right? Like if there's <laughs> no, stuff, if you there's, love Taylor Swift, okay, just say hey. it. No, I don't. <laughs> just say it. Whatever. That's all right. Uh, so do you want to, what do you want to do? I know that you're a little bit behind in the voice, so you don't necessarily uh, want to review that today, but maybe you want to talk about some of the Grammy nominees, or I have some stories in front of me, and I could ask for your opinion on some of those before we get to your picks. Well, I mean, I saw the the boys, um, just like you the saw performance. The, the singing round, you didn't yeah, the see the elimination round. round. No, I haven't seen So you don't know who's out, but no. you could review how they did. Well, the, I mean, I feel like the, the my favorites are still strong, I can tell, because uh, uh, the way that people like react in, on social media and also like mm-hmm. uh, in the show. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't seen the, the last one, so I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, by the way, my mom, who's been texting the show again all day, you know, she texts us every day, Betty. She has an idea for you from our show. She thinks that you should be the judge of a Craig Collins voice competition where we let listeners send in like little recordings of them singing and mm-hmm. you can pick a winner and maybe the winner that way can get some sort of, you can pick Betty's team. 
just like the voice judges do, yeah. and add three or four listeners to your team who we'll give away prizes to. Maybe we'll figure that out in the future. Maybe we'll do yeah, a, a competition okay. on the radio where you're the judge. All right. That's, you sounds you like that. Yeah. You like to be the jefe. You like to have power. <laughs> uh, by the way, we should update listeners. Last week, you picked um, football games against a listener. And unfortunately, Betty, this is the first time you lost. Yeah, I mean, I knew it. That listener, I don't remember his name, but he, he see, yeah, smart. he sounded like a pro. Yeah, you so don't like was... going up against pros. Yeah, no. no. Even though the first week you were on our show, we actually had a professional sports guy go up against you, and, and you beat him, but you couldn't beat the listener last week. We'll get to your picks. I want to ask you about a couple stories I found in the news because I thought maybe you'd like them. You were, I don't think you still are, but you were a big fan of Angry Birds. You played those games on your phone yes. a lot. yeah. There is a new venting machine, not a vending machine, but a venting machine that popped up in New York City. It's Angry Birds themed. It's a big giant um, version of Red, the main Angry Bird, the big gordita red one. Yeah, the chubby um, one. The chubby one. He's got some little feathers on the top of his his head that shake, and he's got a lot of softer areas on him. Essentially, what you do is you attack him. You punch him. You shake him. You throw nice. him around. It's like relieve stress, kind relieve of. Relieve stress in the middle of Times Square in New York. And it is a venting machine. So when you're done, it gives you a little gift, a little Angry Birds gift that they hope makes you feel a little bit more Oh, calm. that sounds pretty original, <laughs> man. I was wondering, would you like to, to attack the venting yeah, yeah, machine? Yeah. Yeah? yeah, yeah. You'd like to wrestle it and punch it and kick it? I, yeah. I think we need to shoot a video. We gotta send Betty to New York and have you attack the. Angry <laughs> well, I'm Bird. tiny. I'm just gonna look like <laughs> probably like a little dot close to that thing. Yeah, it's, it seems like it's pretty big. Yeah. But you think you have enough rage to really go after it? No, I. I mean, I. I would love to learn how to punch like boxing or mm -hmm. like like really like go for it. You know. Right, because you can't throw shoes all the time. You mm. have to do other stuff. Yes. You're a really good shoe thrower, though, aren't you? Uh, in my dreams, yeah. In your, well, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> at my forehead too. Uh, oh my God. One other story I have, and the reason I bring this one up with you, Betty, is because you yell at me a lot when I use bad words. Yes. Whenever I say any bad words, what do you usually tell me? Act uh, like I have more. You tell me to act like I have more education, right? You yes. think that bad words are not representative of having a good education. Yes. So you yell at me a lot and say, hey, what do you call me, Craig O too? Yeah, Craig. Go ahead, give me, stop. give me one of those. Give me a, a quick. Tell me to have more education. Craig, have more education. You shouldn't say bad words <laughs> at get, all. I get yelled at a lot. Did you know the average office worker here in the United States, Betty, curses fifty-five times a week? So you well, think I say a lot of bad words, but the average person in the office fifty-five times a week. You know what? Uh, actually, I read an article in the I don't know like. A month ago or so, mm -hmm. that they say actually saying bad words also help to relieve stress. And that's don't probably, say any on the air. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm okay. not. I, I would, of course, not. Good. I'm gonna be fired. Yeah, right. Say bad no, words. you're doing a great job, by the way. You've been very busy here at the office today, yes, right? I'm being very busy. You today. made a cool T-shirt for us at WJBC. I'm sure I, that at some point I we'll try. actually be we'll talk about it publicly. But it's it's really cool, and it's I, one of a lot you. of things you're doing. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Uh, so, do you want to pick these games, or do you want to? Tell us anything else about the uh, the nominees you see over there. Anyone mm -hmm. else you feel like might be a winner at the Grammys? No, uh, I'm. I mean, I'm not very familiar with a lot of new artists out there. You're just cheering for Billie Eilish. Yes, because I just discovered her, and she seems pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I love how you like. What kind of music do you normally like? By the way, what's your what's your oh, jam? That's that's kind of like a difficult answer. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I you know, I love. Uh, Oh my God! The Cure. The Cure. Uh, you love the, the Cure. Queen. Queen. You yeah. love Queen. 
I don't know. I have like all kind of like the Beatles. Um, it's how you learned English originally in your yes, country, right? Yeah, I, your family would hear you listening to songs in English and be like, what are you listening yeah, to? Yeah, my dad would, would say, so it's like, you don't understand any word. Where are you listening? <laughs> it's like, that, that sounds great. So just, just shut up. Out. Yeah. Did you did you understand some of the words though? Eventually, you'd Google stuff. Or? No, it was funny because I, uh, you know, you hear me before how I like uh, sing a song in English and I don't know the lyrics. Yeah, I so just I've heard mumble you do that. and yep. I, I I did that when I was young and my dad was like, "What are you saying?" I was like, "I don't know, but it sounds great. That song sounds great." You also do that when we go to church in English. You mumble all the words <laughs> with us. <laughs> no, I I mean that's different because actually I now that I learn more English. Through the years, I now I understand more and more. You By know? the way, I haven't mentioned this yet on the show, but right now, because we're new to the community, I feel like we're like dating different churches. Like we're going to different churches yes. in the community to find the right one for yeah. us. And you really like the church at the hospital. Oh, my God. I love that church. Because the priest there is so yeah. cool and fun. He's very nice. I feel like that might be a winner. That yep. might be our church, even though it means we go to the hospital each week. I mean, kids, the, the, that girl running and hawking because he's just like a lovely priest. He's like very nice. Yes. One of the uh, people at the church, uh, one of the younger kids gave him a hug during yeah, the she, communion. She, she's like, uh, I don't know, like seven years yeah, old. Touch Betty's like heart. Just yeah. like Billy Ellish. Given, anybody that gives anyone a hug. You seem to like them a lot. If two people hug, you seem to like both those people. Well, I don't know. It's just like when you give a hug, you got to feel it. And when, I don't know, spontaneous hugs are always like good for your soul. Okay. I'm coming over for a hug when I take a commercial break, Betty. But first, I have some picks for you. And of course, you know we have a theme song for when you do your picks on this show. So let's play the theme song first and then get to those picks. It's Betty Pickstar on the Craig Collins Show. Can you outpick the champ? You want answers? One listener will win a prize, even if you can't top our expert. Welcome to the Thunderdome, people. Welcome to the Thunderdome. Betty's making her pick. She's rocking out to the music. She's ready to go. Uh, last week, like I said, you did lose. You only picked one out of three right. The listener who called in, who picked entirely against you, picked yeah. two out of three winners. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually a strategy I guess I might recommend to people who call in to, to pick against her this time. Uh, but if you pick all the different teams, somebody's bound to lose, somebody's bound to win. The first game I want to ask you about, it takes place this Sunday, and it's between a team that I like a lot and a city that you like a lot. It's Chicago playing the New York football Giants. Oh, Who God. are you picking, Betty, the Chicago Bears or the Giants? Chicago Birds. See, I knew it. I knew you yeah. were going to do it. It's actually a really good pick, too, because the Giants are terrible are, are at football. Are they doing good? Yeah. No, they're not very good. Uh, and Chicago's got a good defense, at least. Nice. They don't really have a good quarterback. Uh, you don't care. That's not important Let's to you. Let's go, Chicago. You just picked because you used to live there, right? Yeah, I love the city. You love the city of Chicago. All right, I want to ask you about Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Who do you think is going to win in that game? Uh, I'm going to go this time for Atlanta. Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Georgia is our neighbor around here, so it's close. <laughs> Bye. It's not, it's not exactly our neighbor, Betty. <laughs> I know, but it's kind of okay. like... Closer to Florida. Well, it's kind of okay. It's a little it bit. Is, maybe. And also, what do you really like about uh, Georgia? You said when you were in the airport peaches. there, you love their peaches. Oh, my God. Peaches everywhere. Yes. So for that reason, you're picking Atlanta to win that game because of the peaches that mm-hmm. exist in uh, Georgia. And then the last one, Jacksonville versus Tennessee. Who are you taking? Jacksonville. I've never been in Jacksonville. You've Sounds never? interesting. You, you like it because of the name of the sound? You know, yes. they're also the Jaguars. Oh, yeah? And really? the Tennessee are the Titans. 
So who do you think you're picking? Uh, jaguars. Game? Yeah. Let's you like the jaguars? Yeah, yeah. Is that kind of because you saw a jaguar recently at the zoo and you thought it was pretty cool? Yeah. Oh my God, the jaguar. Those animals at the zoo, Craig. <laughs> they are so pretty. So pretty. Yes, yeah, Patty. and they are like well fitted, like they are in their mm-hmm. feet, you know. Like so uh, go ahead and call in callers. I'll take one caller off the air who can pick against Betty. I'll tell you what the prize this week is on off the air because it's actually a little bit special. It's tied to this uh, radio show, and it's something mm-hmm. that Betty's going to create. So call in. You have a chance to win a prize from from us, uh, and I'll one person gets to pick against Betty. I got to take a commercial break. You did a great job. I'll have more Billy Ellish to play maybe after this commercial break. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Rain showers are likely a low of 48. Tomorrow, lingering showers, especially in the morning, high 57, low 31. Friday, partly sunny, a high of 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy, a high of 39. Uh, Sunday, partly cloudy, uh, partly sunny, excuse me, and a high of 43. And it is 45 right now in Radio Bloomington. You're listening to The Great Collins Show on WJBC. I hope Halsey wins some Grammys, too. She's really good. Um, Before I get out of here, this story was just, to me, really funny. Uh, It's light on details, so I'm not going to lie. There's not a lot of explanation to what this is. But just in time for the holidays is the headline. Maury, a TV show that if you're familiar with, they do a lot of those episodes of Who's the Father of the Child. Uh, They're famous for people yelling, You are not the father. Maury yells that to... I guess they're not contestants on the show, but people on the show and trying to find out. It's one of those like Jerry Springer-esque shows if you don't know what it is. Anyway, it says just in time for the holidays is a hilarious party game. It's literally a Maury board game called You Are Not the Father. Uh, it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon. It will ship in time for Christmas. Uh, it said that it's a great white elephant gift for that work party if you have one. Uh, But what I know about the details, this is what it says on the post at Amazon. It's a hilarious party game which challenges players to prove their non-paternity through a series of outrageous accusations and laugh-out-loud arguments. So if you've ever wanted to feel like you were on a show like Jerry Springer or Maury uh, and you wanted to be in one of those very crazy situations where you have to do things like figure out who's the father of a child... Apparently, for nineteen ninety nine, you can buy this book or this board game and play out those uh, that you know situation. It is strictly intended for adults, by the way, that is listed there. So it's maybe not the kind of thing that you'd want to play at the family holiday. Uh, also, another game that I thought was interesting on here: there is a version of Uno that is selling right now, and its tagline is that it'll prevent you from discussing politics anytime uh, you have a. A family event like Thanksgiving or Christmas just bust out a deck of Uno cards, which is a game that people play often. But apparently this ad is telling you that if you want to avoid that awkward political conversation or that awkward holiday conversation that, you know, you're dreading going to the family because of, then just bring along a deck of Uno cards and you're you're covered. So that sounds pretty good. Uh, we got a lot more on the Craig Collins show tomorrow coming up. So please stick with us. Uh, come back from three to six.